Well, good morning. It's such a great time worshiping the Lord and Savior. I get to preach the sermon twice and read the Word of God, and so the first time just gets me ready for the second. And man, it's amazing how the Word of God just enhances singing those songs. And so I'm excited about looking at God's Word to, together with you today. Uh, how many of you, and I want you to raise your hand if you, if you really can identify. It's probably the older crowd. I mean older, I mean, you know, over 20. Uh, how many of you have somewhere in a bonus room or in a closet or in an attic a bunch of scrapbooks full of pictures of your kids and your memories? Anyone? Okay, all right. See, that used to happen. It was called photographs and scrapbooking and creative memories. Now it's all digital. But for those of us who have that, you're going you're gonna to value those, right? Like, this week, we dropped our baby off at college, so now we're empty nesters, and so you can always, if you just don't know what to pray for, pray for us, because we're probably somewhere crying in Shreveport, and, uh, or traveling, because we're trying to figure out what to do. Or if you get bored, call us. We'd love to go to dinner and figure out what you do with free time. And, and so, but before I came this morning, I went upstairs in the bonus room above the garage, and I found two big baskets full and literally just album after album after album. I knew right where they were because they've been there for 18 years. And it's got every first thing that happened. The one I happened to grab to make you cry was her first in Miss uh, Vale's Wales at South Highlands. Her first, was that kindergarten? Her first kindergarten year. I'm going to really get her crying now. So, but... You know, you record everything, their first uh, rolling over, their first food, their first spit up. You probably kept it in a jar and put it in the little book. Their first utterances, their first everything, their first steps, their first words, their first foods. And, and it's all very special. Well, today in chapter 2 of Luke, verse 21 and following, we're looking at Jesus' baby book, if you will. Luke has already told us he's doing a very careful investigative study. And he says, I'm going to present it out to you in a chronological order. Jesus's life, what he did, what he said, and everything that's important is captured enough for us to, to read this book, flip through the pages, and say, okay, I get an idea of who this Jesus is. And what you're going to see is it is profound what is recorded about Jesus is so profound that it can't be taken lightly. And so what we do see today is just at eight, at eight days old, something happened. At, at, 20, at 31 days later, at 40, or 33 days later, so at 41 days old, he's dedicated. We're going to see that. What we are going to know for sure is that Jesus did not wear a monogram smocked outfit. I know, I didn't see that anywhere in here, so all the dads were right that our kids should not have to wear that outfit. But when we read the Luke text, we should say, what is Luke trying to convey with the events that he chose to put in the book? What, what, what message, don't just look at the pictures and get lost in the picture, look at the bigger picture of the book that Luke is trying to make a point with what he chose to place in this book. And a particular notice that he'll put in parentheses. This is helping you be a good reader of the Bible. Anytime the author puts something in parentheses, he wants to make sure you don't miss this. He's going to do that in this text. And so as we look at these historical events that he has carefully investigated and placed them side by side for us to consider, 
all before he was 12 years old, I want you to be willing to go where the facts lead you. That if it leads you somewhere that you're not comfortable, say, okay, well, at least I'm willing to consider what, what is said what, what his life, the significance of his life. And my prayer is the Holy Spirit will open your heart to believe the truth about Jesus. Lord, we ask that you'd help us receive the truth about Jesus today, that as we look at these scenes, these two scenes at the temple that, that Luke records for us, that we will be willing to accept what is presented here for us. And so, Lord, would you move powerfully by your spirit and give us faith to receive your message about your son, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so let's turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 21 and following. And so we're going to look right now, first verse is 21. He says, and at the end of eight days, so we've just been recording about the birth of Jesus last week. And it says, and it continues chronologically, at the end of eight days... When, Je- when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. All right, stop there. So Luke records this scene at the temple, or he records this first this scene eight days into his life. And he says he was circumcised. The first thing I want you to notice is the focus is on Jesus. The way it's written is intentionally focused on Jesus. It doesn't say on the eighth day, Mary and Joseph did this. It says on the eighth day, he, Jesus, was circumcised. The the focus is let's look at Jesus. Let's consider Jesus. And notice what he says about him. It says uh, in verse 21, he says, he was called Jesus. And you're like, okay, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, he tells us the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. All right, stop there. So you're reading and you're working through this book and he says, hey, he was circumcised on the eighth day and they called him Jesus. And you're like, so what? He says, that's the name that Gabriel told them to give him. So as a good reader, what's the very next thing you should do? When he mentions Gabriel, you should go, well, let me go back and look at where that was recorded. Because if you will, go back to Luke 1, turn back a page. Luke chapter 1, verse 31 through 35, Luke has already recorded Gabriel's command, name him Jesus, and Gabriel had a lot to say about the significance of Jesus. So let's read that, 131. Gabriel said, or or Luke records, and behold, you will conceive, so these are Gabriel's words, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. To which Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel Gabriel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Stop there. Okay, and no one seems surprised. Okay, yeah, heard it a thousand times, Pastor. Do you realize what is being claimed here? These are crazy 
prophecies. These are crazy things to say about to a woman who is a virgin and not pregnant to say, hey, you are about to conceive and you will bear a son and he will be the son of the living God, the king that was promised to 2 Samuel 7 to David. He will be the eternal Christ, the Messiah. Crazy things. And, and so you should be at a place where you say, okay, if someone came, we have people pregnant, probably 10 people in this room if I'm guessing, right? If someone came to you, especially an angel, or if one of these, un, well, let's see, one of, these, one of these women who aren't pregnant yet came to you and said, hey, an angel came to me last night. Pastor, I need to talk. All right, what? Yeah, well, an angel told me that I'm going to have a baby, and I'm a virgin, and so I'm kind of freaked out. I'd say, okay, they're crazy. And if not, if they end up having a baby, I'm like, okay, something crazy is happening. Something supernatural, something special is happening in our midst. And that's exactly the place that we are. When such crazy things are claimed, the angel has boldly stepped out there and said, test me. And if this is not true, you should not follow this. Because this is what you do with people who claim these things and they're not true. You get them help in a facility. You don't follow them and say they're good people and they're smart people and they're polite and they're wise and we're going to create an organization that follows their teaching. You don't do that. C.S. Lewis said, either Jesus is Lord or he's a lunatic or he's a liar. You can't say that Christianity is a nice teaching that we should respect you have to go all the way with it because Jesus claimed to be the son of God and the Gabriel said to Mary, you're going to have a baby as a virgin. The spirit of God's going to give you a child and this child is the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God, the holy one, the throne of David, the eternal king. And so we have to be serious about the claims of Christianity, the claims of, of Luke. So let's do this. Let's make a list we're going to do this together right now. We're going to make a list of all the things that Gabriel claims about Mary and the baby. So looking through verse 31 and following of chapter 1, Gabriel's words to Mary, a virgin will conceive. That's our first item. That's verse 31. Continuing, he will bear, she will bear a son. He will be great, verse 32. Continuing verse 32, he will be called the son of the most high. Verse 32 again, he will be given the throne of his father David. That's the promise of 2 Samuel 7. He will reign over the house of Jacob or Israel forever. That's Luke 1.33. And continuing in verse 33, his kingdom will not end. He'll be the king of a kingdom that will not end. Mary will conceive by the Holy Spirit. That's verse 35. And then continuing in verse 35, the child to be born will be called holy. Did anybody call your child holy, the king of kings, the eternal one when they were born? No. Finally, in verse 35, he will be called the son of God. You don't say these kind of things lightly. We're going to measure these claims. Lord, lunatic, or liar, because they know it's not true. So Luke has investigated everything clearly, 
And we've already seen him checking off the boxes from chapter 1 and chapter 2, just from the stuff we've already studied. Let's pull the list up and let's check off a few of them that we can check off. Number one, a virgin will conceive, check. She will bear a son, check. And then if you skip down a few, because we're going in order of verses of 31 through 35, Mary will conceive by the Holy Spirit, check. Now, if you say, well, pastor, she said she was a virgin, but how do we know this? Well, let's just say that if we have enough evidence to, to corroborate all the other claims, we should gain confidence that all of this is true. And that's what you do in court. You don't have all that. You have to look at the total picture. So I think that's why Zechariah and Elizabeth being, uh, have, having John the Baptist is so closely associated with Mary and Joseph and Jesus. So we go to what we can validate. And Zechariah and Elizabeth were well beyond childbearing years. It was a supernatural, crazy, insane thing for Zechariah and Elizabeth to say, hey, guess what? We're pregnant. Everyone says, nah, you're crazy, unless they're not. And sure enough, they have their child. And they are great friends with Mary and family with Mary and Joseph who had a almost equally crazy claim unless they're not crazy. And so they have corroborating evidence, corroborating testimony of Elizabeth and Zechariah saying, wait, 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 you need to believe her. She was a virgin and God miraculously gave her a child through the Holy Spirit. And so we see how this is gonna work. The evidence, let's build the evidence and let's see what we are confronted with about Jesus. So let's continue reading in verse 22. Luke continues, and when, they, and when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, now, as I read these things, see if something jumps out at you. I want to help you be a reader of the Bible. See if a phrase, a repeated phrase, jumps out at you. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to, act, to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Did a phrase jump out at you? According to the law, according to the law, according to the law, just as was written. So what do you think Luke's trying to point out? Notice it was in parentheses, just as was written in the law of the Lord. Luke wants you to see that Jesus at eight days old is already fulfilling the law of the Lord. His whole life is one of fulfilling the law of the Lord. His life is a perfect expression of obedience to the will of God. The law is the revealed will of God. And so he wants you to understand Jesus' whole life is perfectly fulfilling God's will. He was circumcised as the law required on the eighth day. He was given the name of Jesus just as Gabriel, God through Gabriel commanded his name would be Jesus. 33 days later, which is exactly when the law requires, they were to have, the mother was to go through a, a ceremonial purification after having a child. They did that just as the law required. And while they were at the temple going through the ceremonial purification, what did they do? They dedicated Jesus. Now, why did they do that? Just as it was required in Exodus chapter 13. 
Now, what is Exodus chapter 13? Well, let me take you back to generations and generations before when Israel was in Egypt, they were enslaved, God delivered them at the hand of Moses, and then they were all camped, and there was one last plague, if you remember, that was gonna come. Do you remember what that plague was? The death of the firstborn. And God graciously, listen to the gospel when I say this, God graciously proclaimed good news to those who knew death was coming, that if they would put their hope and trust solely in God's promise and provision of the blood of an unblemished lamb, they would be saved. So here's a beautiful picture of the gospel. And so those who trusted God evidenced it with their obedience and they spread the blood of the lamb, the unblemished lamb over their doorposts so that when the angel of death came, their firstborn child was saved. That's the gospel for us that those who put their faith in the provision of the blood of the unblemished lamb of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross for your sins, you will be saved and it will be evidenced by your obedience to God. So those who were saved, God then said, you are mine, I saved you, I redeemed you, your firstborn. They are to be set apart, they are to be consecrated for my holy purposes. That's the very definition of holy. In Exodus 13:2, God said, consecrate to me all the firstborn. The word consecrate means set apart, holy. And so God is revealing, Luke is revealing that Jesus was consecrated. He was set apart, holy unto God. And so this brings us to a next item that we can check off our list we can check off the fact that he will be called holy. Check. So you see we're on the right track. I think that's what Luke is doing in this text is he is working through all that Gabriel said, checking them off one by one with the actual events that, that took place in Jesus's life. Okay, let's keep, keep reading about what else happened at the temple. Verse 25 in our text for today, 225. Now, while they were at the temple, there was a man named a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting on the consolation or the comfort of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Wow. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. And he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. What you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And look what he says in parentheses. And a sword will pierce through your own soul. 
that had to be hard for them to hear. And so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So what, what do we see happening? Luke is recording another testimony about Jesus. You see, in court of law, you need it to be based on the witness of two or three witnesses. You don't just want one person's word for it. And so Luke has investigated and he says, here's another witness about what happened and about the significance of Jesus. And he no notice he points out how trustworthy this witness is. This witness, this man is a mature man of God. He is righteous. He is devout. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. He has been longing and waiting patiently and faithfully for the arrival of the Christ, the Messiah, as promised in his scripture. So he is a man of God who knows his Bible, knows that he's supposed to come, and he's waiting faithfully for his arrival. And then they bring Jesus, this 41-day-old baby, into the temple to dedicate him. And the Spirit of God, not only is he filled with the Spirit, but he's led by the Spirit. Look at verse 27. It says he came in the Spirit into the temple. The Spirit led him. He's been waiting, and the moment has come. Let me go into the temple, and then here comes this 41-year-old baby, and the Spirit says, here he is. And he grabs this baby in his hands, and he praises God. The Messiah has finally arrived. And Mary and Joseph just marvel, literally, oh my God. So what do we learn in these words of prophecy as the Spirit of God spoke through Simeon? Verse 25, this baby is the consolation of Israel. He's the comfort of God's people. Comfort means, consolation means comfort. Verse 26, Jesus is the Lord's Christ, that means the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ, God's anointed one. In verse 30, Jesus is God's salvation. This baby will be the salvation of God's people. In verse 32, listen to this concept. Jesus is the savior of Gentiles as well as Israel. In verse 34, Jesus will be betrayed by his own people. And so, this is a glorious second witness to the significance of this baby. This is no ordinary baby. But we're not done. Verse 36, we see another witness, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. You know the one. Remember her? Yeah, go talk to their parents. Go validate this. There's some details. That's what Luke is doing. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. Some translations say that she lived as a widow 84 more years. So she's either 84 years old or 100 and something years old. And she did not depart all those years. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, as God would have it, she saw Jesus and saw what's going on. And she began to give thanks to God and speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. He is alive. He is here. He has arrived. I've seen him. And so what is Luke doing? Luke's saying, I have another 
incredibly faithful witness for you, a godly woman who was married at a young age, who was only married for seven years and she lost her husband and then she spent the rest of her life as a widow worshiping God with prayer and fasting. And when she saw this 41-day-old child, she said, the Redeemer has arrived. Praise God. Another credible witness of an incredibly faithful, godly woman saying that this baby is the Redeemer. So we can check off several things off our list. We can check off that he will be great. Check. He will have the throne of David. Check. He will reign over Jacob. Check. And his kingdom will not end. Check. Several witnesses Reliable witnesses have said this about a 41-year-old, a 41-day-old baby. So there's only two checks that need to be, two prophecies, claims of Gabriel that need to be checked off, and they both have to deal with him being the son in verse 32, the son of the Most High in verse 34, the son of God. So what do you think we're going to learn next? Well, let's see, verse 40 of chapter 2, we continue the story of Jesus' life. Now, get ready, guys. You're going to be comforted from all your bad decisions as a dad to forget your kids at school like I did. Okay, verse 40, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. That phrase is the beginning and ending of this section to make it a package here. In verse 41, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, so now here's the second thing in this book, not like us, it's not every day between uh, the first day and every day. It's 12 years later, he's 12 years old, and they were going to the feast of Passover as usual, and they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it, but supposing him to be in the group that when they went a day's journey. But they began to search for him among the relatives and acquaintances, saying, hey, where's Jesus? And when they didn't find him, they went another day's journey back to Jerusalem, and, and they couldn't find him for three days. And after three days, they finally found him in the temple. Can you imagine how this conversation went between Mary and Joseph? Joseph, you literally lost the son of God for five days. You got to keep your eyes on our kid. I'm taking care of everything. I've got everything. You can't do one thing. Just watch the kid. I can't tell you how many times Dina Howard had to call my office at South Highlands and say, hey, I'm like, oh, I'm on my way. I'm coming to get my child right now. And Jared's covered for me many times when my daughters would call and he said, yeah, he's on his way. And I'd dart out the door. But see, I'm better than Joseph. Joseph, I didn't lose the son of God for five days. And all who heard him, where was he? He was in the temple, sing among the teachers. That's what every 12-year-old does when they're all by themselves for five days. They're in the temple, sitting at the feet of the pastor, asking me great questions. This child is not ordinary. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. He's not learning from the teachers he is using the Socratic method to cheat the teachers. He's asking them questions to help them understand their own understanding. 
And all who heard this 12-year-old were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. Yeah, I'd say. And his mother said to him, son, I bet it was hard to get on to him. Son, why have you treated us like this? How dare you go home and study in the Bible? Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. What's the last checkbox we're looking for? Son of God, son of the most high. And what does Jesus say in response? He said to them, well, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my, whose house? My father's house. Where is he? The temple of the God of Israel. Did you not know, a 12-year-old boy, did you not know that I would be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and he came to Nazareth, which by the way, the prophet said, Old Testament said, he'd be born in Bethlehem, he'd be of Nazareth. He went down to Nazareth. He was submissive to his parents. Did all the children hear this? Here is the son of God. God himself submitting to his parents. Surely we have the same obligation. Submitted to his parents and his mother treasured all these things in her heart. She's just filing it away. There is something special about this child. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So what is Luke showing us in these verses? Well, the repeated phrase beginning and end that bookend this section says that he is the wisdom of God. He has the favor of God. And then Jesus' words himself check off the last thing that we were looking for, which is he is the son of God. So we can check that off. He will be called the son of the most high. Check. And then finally, he will be called the son of God. Check. So Luke has made it very clear. He has investigated carefully the life of Jesus. And we're only at day tw year 12. And he is presenting the facts for you to consider. What do you do with this child? What, what do you do with this information? You have to make a decision. You cannot say that Jesus is a wise teacher and think that, it's some about, that Christianity is about some moral lifestyle. You must hear what they say, that this baby is the son of God, the long-awaited lamb of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Holy One, the Great One, the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Christ, the long-awaited Savior of God's people. What will you do with this? My prayer is that you will embrace him in faith as your Savior. My prayer that you open your heart to receive the true message of Jesus. See, he is God in flesh who died on the cross, paid the penalty for your sins and for mine, 
And if you'll receive him, you'll receive forgiveness of your sins, declared righteous, and live eternally with him, defeating death, reigning and ruling with him on a new heavens and a new earth forever and ever. He can be your savior today if you will embrace him as your savior. If you'll trust only in his power, his provision, the provision of the blood of an unblemished lamb to pay the price to save you from the coming death that we deserve for our sin. But you have to choose. You can't just live in a Christian culture. You can't just be born into a Christian family. You have to own it for yourself. Somewhere along the line, you have to consider the radically crazy claims. Either they're crazy or they're not. And if he saves you by his blood, then he owns you. And he sets you apart as holy. And he says, you now live for my holy purposes. What will you do with this Jesus? Trust him today and receive his forgiveness. Father God, I pray that happens all over the room. I pray that many will come to faith in Christ this morning. And as we sing this song, worshiping you, that all who know you as savior will be focused on bringing glory and honor to you and your name all the days of our life. It's in Christ's glorious name we pray, amen.